Um, so welcome to Integrity Performance Radio. Um, we are the Integrity Performance team. Um, I am Travis Meek. I'm Zeb Love. I'm Evan Kistner. And we, uh, we're going to talk about today, uh, we want to do like an introduction. We want to say um, why Integrity, why did we choose the name, what's it mean to us, who we are, how did we get where we were at, and then uh, we're going to get into some content too. We're not just going to sing Kumbaya and introduce ourselves the entire time. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I'm Travis Meek. Um, I have a background as a clinician, as a strength coach um, at the Division One level. Um, I've been a personal trainer for... God, a lot more years than I thought. Probably, probably seven. I was gonna say you've been going at this a while, point. Man. Probably seven years. So I've I've been all over the industry from like fixing knees to increasing performance to working with Gin Pop, um, and and I, I finally have gotten to the point where um, like the corporate settings just not really doing it for me. Like I don't think we're doing enough for people. Um, I think the focus in fitness has gotten into the wrong wrong idea the wrong spotlight and so integrity performance is is our way of, of trying to do our part to make the fitness industry better again um zeb what about you uh i'm for right now i'm gonna have to agree with you quite a bit when it comes to overall just the lack of integrity in the fitness industry for right now how people have just kind of prioritized a little bit more sales than what they have actual training or just having that common sense to say like hey i'd don't know this and just instead of prioritizing all the tangible things like money and more followers maybe on social media because that's become a pretty big thing these days it's just understanding that your clients people they they come before the money the followers the likes anything like that it's having the integrity to say i don't know if you don't know or understanding that Money isn't the biggest issue when it comes to training somebody. You need we to just, take the idea. We want to make you better. We want to put the person first. Yes, exactly. Like in my mind, like the reason I love our name, I, I feel like our name stands for everything that, that I want to represent moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, like in 2020, and we just got done talking about this, like the word fitness has basically become synonymous with appearance. Like it no longer means wellness. It no longer means joint integrity. It no longer means like helping someone go play with their grandkids on vacation and feel really good. Yeah. And I feel like in, in 2000, shoot, probably started before this, but since we're 2020, like I feel like the industry is being influenced most by like these, these fembot personal trainers who get away with wearing less clothing every year, focus on their appearance, uh, who has the best angle on their butt when they squat on Instagram and yeah. who can like blur the mor- moral lines, um, by using social media. And, uh, it no longer has anything to do with health and wellness. And so one of the things that I brought up to you before we started this was like female athletes, like adolescent, um, young 20 year old athletes. So many of them are suffering from eating disorders and, um, body image issues and body dysmorphia and low bone density. And it's like, are, are these, these appearance first trainers really helping people or are they just aiding this this really blurry line of what's right and wrong and helping people and focusing on appearance so much um and i want to get out from that i want to start talking mm-hmm. about really high level stuff um when you look at like the industry leaders right now like there's some really cool stuff going on with like the aaron horshigs and um the jordan shallows and mm-hmm. the the pat davidson's and um uh, just all these guys who like you listen to them and you're like dang like this is where fitness needs to be mm-hmm. and like i want to introduce that in our area and i want to do our part to be more like that um evan where are you come where are you from um what, what do you got going on yeah i've been a trainer for about four years only kind of that corporate setting too and i mean kind of branching off of what you both have said i mean it's turning into 
dollar signs pretty much when it comes to corporate gym settings and I mean the people kind of get lost in the shuffle and I personally care about each and every client I've worked with and I feel like the pressure to sell and all of that just kind of taints the overall experience not only for the client but for the trainer as well so I'm really all about caring about the particular people I'm working with and what do they need and I think that's probably the most important thing and I think that gets lost in the shuffle especially with all the social media stuff going around and like you said the Fembot kind of trainers it's like who are these people actually looking to for help and are they actually going to get the help that they kind of need so I, I'm totally on board with kind of getting away from all that corporate structure as well and using my background like like I said, I have corrective background and performance enhancement background through college athletics and stuff. So you've got know. you've got more credentials than fingers to count them with. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that many fingers, but <laughs> yeah, you've got more certs than I than I know what to do with. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we don't want to spend too much time getting the introduction, but I think you're going to see that as you guys listen to this, like this is going to be like I said, like integrity is everything. Like you're going to see it in what we do, what we talk about, um, how we handle people, um, how we handle um, questions, concerns. Like the person comes before the profit. And it's just how it has to be. Intellect comes uh, before appearance, and like growth and development and wellness comes comes before the aesthetic. Um, what we wanted to talk about today, like now that we're out of this introduction, um, now that you know who we are, what we stand for, why integrity, um, we want to talk about like one of the probably I don't know if it's the most misunderstood. It's probably the most like kind of artificially read about it's the thing that everyone thinks they're the expert on is hypertrophy and growth and developing more tissue and i think a lot of people one don't even really know how to define that like what's really happening what's actually going on um how do you train for hypertrophy versus strength um what's the nutrition look like what's recovery look like and so let's get into some like really high level concepts um in hypertrophy if you had so zeb if you've got a client walks in like dave he's a lawyer um he's 50 years old he's been working for 30 years he's probably been sedentary just as long mm -hmm. like he comes in and like i'm going to assume that like growth development and control is like phase one mm -hmm. and so yeah. like i'm almost going to call that hypertrophy like you have to put more tissue on their body mm -hmm. so that they have the ability to use that to be stronger and stable and more functional later yeah maybe people disagree with that but i think generally that's like kind of a step one is like let's develop movement let's grow tissue um um, and let's let's get that person kind of this solid base so we can get into some strength training stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so you have like you want to talk about like what is hypertrophy? So like mm -hmm. let's define it. Like what is it? Like what's happening? All right. So basically, hypertrophy is just the growth in the size of a cell in a and a specific tissue, mostly muscle, just because of the fact that it's one of the ones that can actually grow and not cause too much damage to the human body. So I think the big part of the definition that really needs to be understood is the fact that it's the growth of muscle. It's not the reduction of fat or change in body composition for the reduction of fat or anything like that. It is specifically muscle because when most of the time, what's his name? Dave, 50 years old lawyer. Yeah, there in, you go. There's your, there's your, uh, hardly, hardly ever will they really tell you exactly what they want. They just put into their words what they want. Right. So they we say, can almost talk about language on it. Like I was people say, come in, it's like, I want to lose weight. Yeah. Like you didn't just hear that your client wants to lose weight. Exactly. Like, what they meant was like they want to, to feel better, um, mm -hmm. be stronger. Like they yeah. want they want to look athletic. Yeah. They know that as and every client who's ever come into a personal trainer ever is like, I want to lose weight. Yep. And like you now all of a sudden like you have to be the psychiatrist that means like, okay, like what do you really mean? Mm -hmm. Right? And so you gotta figure that out. But um yeah, growth of a growth of muscle. Mm -hmm. putting more muscle on and when you look at like what's happening 
the muscle works down to the basic unit sarcomere, you can add sarcomeres in series. Yes. Or you can add sarcomeres in parallel and grow the cross-sectional area of the muscle. Mm-hmm. You can have sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. You can increase the, the liquid volume of a muscle, mm-hmm. which might make it look good, but now we're not talking about functional increases in size. Yeah. And so all of these things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at a growth of a muscle, like if you have, if you're doing mostly like concentric work, mm-hmm. like we'll take a bicep curl because it's just easy to see. Like if I'm doing a curl, I'm concentrically bringing it up. I'm mm-hmm. training the muscle to shorten. I'm probably changing sarcomere in series. I'm probably mm-hmm. decreasing the number of sarcomeres in series because it's getting really good at shortening. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Let's look at like an eccentric contraction. Then as the muscle lengthens, I'm training the muscle to produce force as it gets longer. I'm probably making an adaptation to the length or the number of sarcomeres in series by adding some, by lengthening them. And so now just in either curling up or curling down, you have a potentially adjusted size mm-hmm. in adding or reducing sarcomeres in series. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when we look at a lot of people, like they're going to get into this idea of like time under tension, like do more reps. Like, I don't know why time under tension is this, like, everyone's heard it. Like, everyone's read a book. Everyone's read a paper. And they come at you, and it's like, oh, hypertrophy. Arnold said that once. Right, time under tension, right? And it's like, congratulations. Like, you're literate. You can read. That's great. But, like, what's that really mean? Like, are we spending more time just in the concentric contraction? I mean, for most people, I'd I'd assume when they say it's time under tension, a lot of people think like isometric type stuff almost. Yeah. Like I'm, as long as I'm staying right here, my time under tension is higher because of the fact that I'm not moving. It's tense. I can feel it. And you'd be right. Yeah. Right. Now we're making an adaptation to that muscle as it produces force without moving. Mm-hmm. It's just holding that position. And it has that ability. And you have to train that ability. Yeah. But yeah, like we see all these programs who are like, okay, like three sets of 10, yeah. five sets of 12, like do more reps. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. How long, if you stood up and grabbed a dumbbell, would it take you to do one bicep curl? Not very long. One second. Yeah. Right? Pretty so quick. so we, let's look at like, okay, a three by ten. I feel like that's for some reason Americans, everything in fitness has to be like yeah. ten everything. Base yeah. ten, base ten, base ten. So you do a bicep curl, right? It takes you one second. You do ten of them. There's ten seconds of load. You take a little break. You do it again. Now we're up to 20 seconds of load. And you do it again. You're up to 30 seconds of load, right? What if in like week one of your program, we choose the bicep curl. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, I want you to contract for three seconds on the way up. And I want you to hold it for a second. And then I want you to release it. I just gave you a four-second contraction, Mm -hmm. right? Now we've trained to the concentric and a little bit of the isometric at 90 degrees. Yeah. Right? Okay, you do 10 of those. Now you're at 40 seconds of contraction Mm -hmm. for your first set. We've gone from... 30 seconds of total contraction to a minute and 20 seconds of total contraction for the same three by 10. So when it comes to hypertrophy, I think we have to do a lot more tempo work. Let's spend Mm, week one on the concentric. Let's spend week two on the eccentric. Let's spend week Mm -hmm. three adding some isometric. Let's go week four. Maybe we work all three of those now that we have a little bit more ability. Let's get into month number two. Mm -hmm. Let's choose some variations. I like what you're saying because it it kind of, it almost envelops what Cal Dietz is really teaching. He's a well, very well, uh, well-renowned strength coach, and he teaches the triphasic training, which is one full mesocycle of just completely eccentric training, and then one full mesocycle of isometric training, and then another full mesocycle of concentric, and then they move on from the program from there. What I love about overloading an eccentric, like you going back to your bicep curl, if you're going a 3-1 count, you concentrically for three seconds and then hold for one 
You can also obviously do the same thing with the eccentric. You can control for that three seconds on the way down. But let's say you overload by doing maybe some bilateral assisted work. If you can find a machine that ties off the two handles, you pull up with both and then down with one, you're now overloading the eccentric. You're still basing yourself in that 3-1-3 phase, but at the same time, you put more stress into the muscle while you're under the same amount of time under tension that you would have been while you're doing the 3-1-3. Right. So what he's saying and what he, like we might have missed is like use two limbs to aid on the way up. Mm-hmm. Take a hand off and slowly control with now what would be too much weight for you to concentrically contract with one arm in a bicep curl. Mm-hmm. You have that added load to control on the way down. Now you're overloading that eccentric. Mm-hmm. Right? If I look at like an athlete, like – being in Kansas City, being a big Chiefs fan, like how many times did Jamal Charles turn his ACL? Oh, dude. <laughs> like, like that dude was made out of glass. Maybe the best running back the Chiefs mm-hmm. ever had. That's an argument for a different day. But the dude, like I remember one play specifically, he gets the handoff, he like jump cuts to the left and hits the ground. And I'm like, he tore his ACL because he didn't control his knee eccentrically. Mm-hmm. No one gets hurt jumping. Everyone can yeah. jump. And then you hit the ground, and you don't have eccentric control, yep. and, and you end up tearing something. Where those two defensive ends, one was from Detroit, one was from Chicago. They, like, celebrated after a sack, jumped up, landed, tore both their ACLs. Dude, yeah. Just, Isn't that crazy? Like, you can form tackle somebody, yeah. and then you celebrate, and you, you jump and land, mm-hmm. and you tear your ACL. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so many coaches. Um, and We work with a bunch of high school athletes, yes. um, Blue Valley, Olathe, whatever else. And it's like these coaches, um, it's like, okay, we're going to squat one day, we're going to deadlift one day, we're going to power clean one day, we're going to mm-hmm. overhead press one day. And I'm like, okay, we just concentrically pushed as much weight as we could with mm-hmm. spinal compression four days in a row. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when was the spinal stabilizers going to recover? Like, when were we going to eccentrically control? When were we going to work stabilization? And so, like, back to this whole concept we're talking about hypertrophy, like, my mind is, like, we need to teach every muscle in isolation to be really good at concentric contraction, Mm -hmm. eccentric contraction, isometric contraction, because eventually, in in 12 to 16 weeks, I'm going to put a barbell on your back. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. If you're you're not a two-legged athlete I, I might not ever squat you yeah. who knows that's that's an individualized question but if you don't have full control of glute quad hamstring hip flexor um, spinal erectors abdominals if you can't control all those muscles on the eccentric phase on the direction change on the concentric phase you're probably not ready to compressively load this really compound movement i think we need to go ahead and coin the term it depends right now it yeah. depends <laughs> yeah that that it depends how long till we squat <laughs> Depends. It depends. <laughs> Every single question in the history of fitness can be answered with it depends. Every mm-hmm. single person's different. An- another reason I can't stand some of these like programs, it's like, this is a great program for everybody. Like, and I'm yeah. like, you just established your ignorance by saying for <laughs> everybody. Everybody is completely different. But that's the thing. You can you can sell to everybody. You can. It's a thing. You it's a great sales technique, isn't yeah. it? It's mm-hmm. a great sales technique. You take your shirt off, you flex your abs, and like, look at my program. Yes. And, and then everyone buys, buys it. it. Everyone <laughs> buys it, you know? And, and it's too bad um, because they, no one is spending enough time controlling, eccentrically training, mm-hmm. isometrically training, stabilized training. And, and those are concepts for different days also. But if you want to develop muscle, if you want to grow muscle, muscles have multiple jobs. They create mm-hmm. a movement. They allow a movement. They hold positions along that movement. They can mm-hmm. grow from 
more sarcomeres in series, sarcomeres in parallel, um, sarcoplasmic growth. Um, we haven't even got into hormone stuff yet. Nope. Um, but mechanical stress and everything that muscle does has to be considered in a hypertrophy program. Mm-hmm. And you've got all these programs that are just like, all right, five by 12. Like, Jeez. like more reps. Okay, variation. It's the most bodybuilding thing I've ever heard. <laughs> more <laughs> five variation. By five by 12, like more reps, yeah. more reps, more reps. And, and then you get these, these athletes who have just done a shit ton of reps. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe they look pretty good. And then Jamal Charles maybe. jump cuts and tears his ACL. To, <laughs> to kind of piggyback off of that, I like where you're going with the whole the basis of injury and not really knowing how to control your own body. I actually have a friend of mine who does bodybuilding himself. And um, he's had a pretty bad injury to his right side collarbone. It could potentially be his torn subclavius or sternocleidomastoid or something like that. But... Essentially, what happened in his training is if you're bodybuilding, most of your program is probably going to revolve around hypertrophy. You're just perma- permabulking. Yeah, you're permabulking for life, basically. Uh, but because of that, with the continuous, continuous, and this could go pretty well into your recovery, uh, with the continuous work that you put onto your body and not really allow yourself for a full recovery because you've just been going, going, going for as much volume as really as you can do, trying to achieve as much mechanical stress as you can. Yep. Uh, your potential for injury is going to increase. One of the best things about a hypertrophy phase from a strength coaching standpoint, and to put that in my background a little bit, I was an assistant strength coach with Benedictine College, and then I came down to work with you guys. Kind of left that out of my intro. But uh, anyway, besides the point, the basic reason that we put the hypertrophy phase as the first phase in any program that we've done uh, it's not only to increase the size of the muscle, say for a football player. You, if you're an offensive lineman, you're going to need to get fairly big. But at the same time, you need to think of what that situation has or what it could kind of mold into for the connective tissue, um, like eccentric overload or something like that. Uh, hypertrophy phases is not only for the growth of tissue, but for neurological adaptations, uh, building resiliency and connected tissue as well, like not necessarily your ACL since it's bone to bone, but your patellar tendon, your quad tendon, uh, basically any tendons whatsoever that can be torn in that fashion. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we would put it in for a strength building ad, uh, or a strength conditioning program. If you're going for bodybuilding, that's not necessarily your biggest concern. Look at Ronnie Coleman. How many back surgeries has he had? That dude is the bionic so man at this exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> But permabulk, man. Permabulk. You're just trying to be the biggest you possibly can. Just, just bulk for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's it's interesting. You start getting into, and again, we'll talk about injury. We can go down every oh, yeah. hole in the book here. We can talk for <laughs> hours. Um, but you, you talk, start talking about injury, and it, injury is simply an application of force that exceeds the tolerance of a tissue. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Now we can start talking about, okay, was that tissue strong enough? Or should that tissue have ever been loaded mm-hmm. to begin with? Right? Yeah. You look at so many knee issues, and, and knee issues come from an incorrect movement pattern because the hip couldn't stabilize the joint or the femur in the right direction, and now mm-hmm. we've misloaded. Right? The ACL probably could have handled plenty of stress if mm-hmm. it wasn't put into that position. Yep. Right? And so what I'm talking about, let's go back to the hypertrophy phase. Did the glutes stabilize on one leg? Did it concentrically contract? Did it eccentrically contract? Mm-hmm. Does it serve its purpose as an external rotator? Is it serving its purpose as al- allowing internal rotation, mm-hmm. right? Or is it really bad at attenuating internal rotation, knee sinks into the wrong position, boom, knee injury, 
right? And so I feel like we've got all these clinicians like, oh, your knee's messed up. Like, let's look at your knee and build tissue tolerance of the ACL. And I'm like, like, congratulations. Like, a car has an alignment problem and you put new tires on it. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm going to come back to you again next year for new tires because we didn't fix the alignment problem. And so, again, hypertrophy becomes so important not just for growing more muscle – but to teach those muscles how to do their job and everything that they're asked for. And then, of course, you attenuate that um, with, with different variations. Then you load that when we get into strength phases. Then you load that when we get into power phases. Hypertrophy is difficult because mm-hmm. if you look at, like, have you ever seen a, a power walker with a huge butt? Probably not. Like, like, I don't <laughs> not think, that I, can think, I, don't think I see, like, ultra marathon runners with huge butts. Yeah. No. But you see sprinters with huge butts, mm-hmm. right? So now we can start looking at like the adaptations that muscles respond best to. Mm-hmm. So the glute, one of the one of the factors, one of the kinetic principles that the, the glute uses to produce more force is velocity. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can produce way more force through the glute with adding velocity than just passing tension through it. Mm-hmm. So now we can get into like exercise selection. Like I think the hip thrust and we're going to get a lot of comments on we're going to oh, get yeah. a lot of arguments. Yeah. <laughs> I think the hip thrust is maybe the most overrated glute developing exercise because if I'm looking at an athlete and I've got weight on my hip, Mm. I can never truly push through hip extension. I push into some hip extension, but I'm kind of chasing my lumbar spine into Mm -hmm. spinal extension and I'm never really locking that out, that position out Mm -hmm. right now. It is a front to backside load vector specific for athletes and running. But for me, from like the powerlifting perspective, like I need true hip extension when I deadlift and squat, Mm -hmm. I'm only going to use the hip thrust at like 40% of its maximal load Mm -hmm. so I can load the the glute quickly Mm -hmm. with velocity in true hip extension without the spine extending and so that now translates into being able to powerfully hip extend mm-hmm. in in deadlifting and squatting yeah I but like that's it. that's like that's an application that i would use for myself and maybe for like a sprinter mm-hmm. um that i probably wouldn't use i don't know for other athletes and depends on who i'm working with i think it would be it's actually a pretty big thing to bring up the difference between power walking and sprinting as well. Not only because of the fact that the different exercise selections that you're going to have for the two athletes, but uh, also the stress that they go under as well. And the muscle fiber use. You don't really think about the fact that – it's kind of funny. It's called power walking where there's nothing power, there's no about, power it. about it. There's no power about it. But, uh, it's just powerful, more powerful than normal walking. Yes, yeah. exactly. You're not mall walking anymore. But the, uh, but the difference between type 1, type 2, type 2X or – type two a and b whatever you prefer uh the difference in those and which ones can actually go hypertrophy if you're looking at type one muscle fibers if you're power walking and somebody's told you uh, if you want to build muscle you just have to exercise you could argue well you you couldn't argue it is it's exercise power walking is exercise (laughs) right Right. (laughs) but are you going to achieve muscle hypertrophy because you're doing that sort of exercise no no you're type one muscle fiber exactly you might increase your myocondrial density in muscle, but outside of that, and maybe better heart health. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't there know how much. There's something we all need. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's understanding that you're not using type 2 muscle fibers, which are very well known for being the denser, bigger muscle fibers. Higher power output. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sprinters. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Sprinters. Yeah. I mean, hypertrophy gets looked at as – Again, we've been talking about hypertrophy for 20 minutes, but mm. hypertrophy in the mind of, like, the lay article, like the muscle and fitness, like hypertrophy program, yeah. is just, like, how much growth randomly. Basically. And it's like, okay, go ahead. 
Mm-hmm. But that tells me you don't have an end game in mind. You don't have a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. And to not have a goal, you're just picking stuff up, moving it around, and hoping you're fit now. Exactly. Like, have a goal in mind mm-hmm. so we can design a program so you know, like, what you're shooting for so that we now have some kind of idea of what to focus on, what to grow, what to control. And again, Dave walks off the street. He's the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're just gin fitness, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? He's probably never going to sprint again in his life. Probably. Whatever. <laughs> Easy client. Find out what knees hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Find out if he's sitting properly. Find out if his feet are flat, whatever. Mm-hmm. And just get into some general fitness stuff. But um, to not really have a goal, like... We don't have an end game. Like, what do we? What do we need to mm-hmm. to work, work on control? What do we need to focus on? And in, in hypertrophy phase, growing, developing, and getting the muscle to recognize how does it get used in in each phase, mm-hmm. right? All right. So I'll say let's take Dave, who we've done all that. We've taught him his movement patterns, how to use each muscle. We've done all this through whatever span of training you're doing. Let's say okay. like four to six weeks. What is going to be the best way? for that to continue the actual growth of tissue and it, i think it's really going to come down to your recovery so you want to talk about recovery um yeah recovery this is becoming like a really really talked about subject which yes. is really cool mm-hmm. like you've got the jj watts who buy like cryo chambers and like put them in their house yeah. and like do like flash <laughs> freezing after their workouts oh which is really cool but um one of the things that like People start to work out. They start to feel good. Maybe they're working out right. Maybe they're not, irregardless of what we're talking about. Like, they just want more and more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And you end up having these people who are working out six and seven times a week. And yeah. they're like, oh, I never take a rest day. And I'm like, that's why I'm stronger than you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you keep like, doing that and see what happens. Yeah, you are burning yourself out tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, like, when you look at rest intervals, they're interesting because every single time you move – you've learned a little bit how to move, mm-hmm. right? So if you do one rep long, wrong, your body does remember that, and mm-hmm. you will do it again because yep. you just learned that movement, right? So the, the, the time it takes to learn how to move is instantly, mm-hmm. right? You see someone like, that's like when I'm looking at heavy programs, like five by five strength programs or five by three strength programs, I personally do not like to do more than three reps mm-hmm. if I'm over 60 to 70%. Because yeah. I know I'm going to start to get really ugly in my technique. And I'm like, at some point, you get strong enough to beat your bad technique. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I push through this really ugly deadlift. And everyone's like, oh, you got it. Like, good work. And I'm like, I just, I just jacked up my body's understanding of my movement. Like, like, I know for me personally, and what works best for me is I'll do a set of two and I'll load. And I'll do a set of two and I'll mm-hmm. load. And I'll do a set of two. And I might do sets of three. But if I'm getting up into heavy percentages, I'm never doing more than two. And so when you look at, like, mm-hmm. the rest from lots of movement, it, it, your body learns really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Then you look at rest required for, like, one rep maxes. Mm-hmm. Now your central nervous system is exhausted. Oh, yeah. It takes probably 48 hours to reset. And like, if I do a really heavy deadlift day, I'm probably not working out tomorrow. Yeah. Or I'll just do some, like, whatever accessory crap. Like, I'll get into our... hypertrophy stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'll get into our bicep curls and, like, recover so I don't feel, like, super crappy about doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you get into recovery and it's like, okay, what are you recovering from? What are you trying to perform in a couple of days? What's too much exercise? For Dave, who's never worked out or well, hasn't in 20 or 30 years, he's been very sedentary, mm-hmm. you get him to work out three times a week and he's going to be hurting. Yeah. Like he's going to be struggling pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd probably take Dave and do a, a slow kind of concentrically f- – 
focused workout day one, again, maybe through four weeks, working three times a week. I'm telling them maybe on your off days, come do some walking, mm-hmm. um, maybe do some recovery. We can talk about stretching and foam rolling later. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I, don't, I think I've got him resting almost equal parts as I have him lifting. Mm-hmm. But I would also say, as trainers, we can only control so much. Mm-hmm. Right, we can only control that basically the one hour that you come in and train with us. Outside of maybe, like I've gone and shopped with a couple of clients, recent. Well, I guess not recently, but, right? Yeah, but, we have uh, not done Corona shopping with clients. Exactly, <laughs> but uh, let's say Dave comes in. He's been training for a while now, maybe two months. Pulls a new deadlift PR because you've somehow talked him into one to deadlift. <laughs> but. Um, he's so stoked about it and he's taken his firm out for drinks tonight and he's done that after every single PR he's ever done and he's done that almost after every other session what what do you say about that Oh, so you want to start talking about alcohol consumption and well, we'll catabolism say like and, that and then oh, lack of sleep and lack just, of proper nutrition because you're, you're not going to push buttons. Like. I mean, you've had a couple <laughs> beers, you're not going to not get a double no. bacon burger, right? I mean, I might. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, if you, I mean, now we're getting into nutrition talks also. Exactly. Um, when you look at hypertrophy, um, to grow, you need protein synthesis more yes. than you need protein breakdown. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Um, You need to consume enough protein. You need to consume enough calories to have an energy surplus to grow. Mm -hmm. You are going to put on some body fat. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're just going to do it. Like, here's one of my (laughs) thousands of pet peeves. We'll discover these as we talk. But it's like, I just want to turn my fat into muscle. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, well, you discover how to do that. You're going to be a billionaire. Yeah. You can, if you're in an energy surplus, if you're gaining muscle tissue, you're going to put on some fat. Mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. Like you, you can't be afraid to, to not be lean. You can't. I need you to put on more tissue. I need you to have better control. I need you to have a calorie surplus so that when I decide we're done with this hypertrophy phase, and I want to talk about length of hypertrophy phases too, mm-hmm. um, then we are able to, to have enough strength to get into some strength work and we can work on taking some body fat off of it. Yeah. Um, the, what's so difficult to me let's get into some lack of integrity how many personal trainers or how many fitness experts or how many coaches have you met everyone's like i want to get really strong and really lean the trainer's like no problem i got the perfect program like you're gonna you're gonna lose fat you're gonna get stronger you're gonna get bigger and i'm like you're lying through your teeth like like just like be honest like tell people like you know what like that's not quite how it works but let's educate you on what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. and and see if you like this long-term program um yeah you need a calorie surplus yeah you have to like let's not get into our nutrition because it's ridiculous um but you you have to like you have to and if if you don't want to give up um going out and drinking like you're going to attenuate your strength increases you're going to attenuate your growth of of the muscle tissue um alcohol by nature is catabolic and Mm. it takes a couple days to get out of that protein breakdown back into protein synthesis Mm. and you have to really consider that um this is where like self-control is is challenging and i'm not the guy like trust me like i'm doing whiskey deadlift workouts (laughs) like like i'm doing like i'm drinking my friends and having fires and stuff like Mm. uh, my my strength goals my physique goals they are 
not nearly as important to me as like giving up my social life or giving mm-hmm. up. And so like you just kind of have to find a happy balance in that. Now if I've got Dave who's like he's like I'm really really serious about my fitness and I'm like mm-hmm. you're really really not because like <laughs> you're not giving up enough of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like let's find that balance for those people and say hey you can do this but let's do this twice a month instead of twice a week. Yeah. Like let's find that. Mm-hmm. Um what about like rest phases for like um you're you're more Olympic lifting, mm-hmm. right? You're, yes. You are you are the most like technique driven. Like mm-hmm. your strength plateaus will never come before your technique plateaus. Exactly. So let's talk about like your rest intervals and your workouts because um, we can even get into like um, if you've not listened to Jordan Genta, mm-hmm. um, he he's an Olympic lifter and like he'll snatch like twice a day. Mm. Like he'll do some like light snatches in the morning, yep. um, go into some heavy snatches because it's just mm-hmm. like perfect repetition yeah. like absolute flawless technique repetition mm-hmm. and so though now we're talking about way different he's doing way less mechanical stress mm-hmm. he's doing 12 reps yeah and you're done like yeah, exactly. and, then, <laughs> and then he's coming back later in the evening and doing five like mm-hmm. and so like the the rest level is different based on the amount of mechanical stress you're putting mm-hmm. your body through if i'm picking up 600 pounds like I'm going to do that once or twice, and then I'm going to rest for three days. Exactly. Like, like, like my body has been through hell and back, yeah. and I need to eat a lot to recover from that. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk about from the, the Olympic perspective and rest. All right. So for the Olympic perspective and resting, just to kind of give a little backstory to it, uh, being the strength conditioning coordinator at the gym I'm at right now, uh, that's really mostly bodybuilders, uh, it just pisses a lot of people off. Because if I'm – say I'm squatting. That you're doing like your Olympic if, stuff? If I'm a – if I'm doing Olympic weightlifting, I'm most likely squatting probably two, three times out of the week. And uh, if I'm doing that, I'm probably trying to go for higher load and uh, lower volume, lower overall volume, I should say. Right. So you're talking strength phases? Exactly. So this would be, yeah, let's say strength phase. When it comes down to a rest period, if I'm going for something that is very, very taxing on the ATP PCR system, on the central nervous system, I'm going to take probably three, four, maybe even five minutes of rest before oh, I go into I'm my next set. I'm a big fan of rest between sets. Oh, like, yeah. I've got max loads. I'm, I'm taking five, six minutes. Yeah. Like, back to hypertrophy, you're doing five, five by 12 or whatever five the hell. But right? you're taking 30 seconds to 60 seconds rest. Exactly. And you're going again. Mm-hmm. Like now you're increasing mechanical Equal stress rest. by decreasing rest intervals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you brought that up because I would have skipped completely over it. When you look at these hypertrophy phases, like they're pretty exhausting. Like, exactly. You're doing eight to mm-hmm. 10 sets with like, um, like 60 second rest intervals and you're going again and then you're taking a little bit of rest and you're going again. Yeah. And then you've got me who's like – Eating an Oreo, taking six yeah. minutes, doing two more reps, like I taking six say. minutes. And so, yeah, like based on your program, like where you're at, like your rest, you're right. Not only mm-hmm. days in between workout sessions, but your rest intervals in this hypertrophy phase is going to be pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I make that joke to all the bodybuilders that are in the gym whenever I'm doing any hypertrophy-based stuff because I hardly ever do anymore. <laughs> right. And they ask me what I'm doing for my hypertrophy workout. I'm like, oh, no, I'm just doing cardio. Just, you know, four <laughs> sets to eight. Just, four yeah. sets to eight. This is cardio, man. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, us strength-minded people are a little different. Exactly. But, yes, the increase in the mechanical stress is definitely not only for the muscle itself, but, I mean, hell, you ever sweat so damn much doing more than 10 reps? Oh, my gosh. Doing more than eight reps, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My shirt changes colors. Yes. (laughs) Um, How long before people start to see results on a hypertrophy program? All right. So, I think the difference between sensation and actual visuals is pretty big. Uh, p- 
people might even feel, I shouldn't say feel bigger, but feel a difference, maybe feel stronger when they go through a hypertrophy phase, usually between four and six weeks. To physically see an adaptation, depending on your training age, which is another huge rabbit hole right. that you can go down to your training age, uh, that'll usually take about six to eight weeks. So maybe somewhere between a month and a half to two months, if you're consistent. Consistency, obviously, is going to be key. I've, that, that is the one thing I'll probably say that influencers on Instagram have probably actually gotten right. You have to be consistent. That is a big key. But it usually takes about six to eight weeks, depending on your style of training, what style of mechanical or the amount of mechanical stress you've been putting on your body, what muscle groups you've been lifting with, the amount of calories that they burn through. Let's say if you're doing a hypertrophy phase and you think the best way to increase the size of your biceps to only do bicep curls. It's like, I'm doing bent over rows. I'm doing <laughs> yeah. pull-ups. I'm doing other things. I'm doing, I want to do large compound movements that use large muscle groups that burn through a lot of calories, but also match that with some isolation work. If I'm doing that consistently for six weeks, probably by week, maybe even five, early as five, depending on how well you've been. You work a lot harder than I work, apparently. Because <laughs> oh, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna push this a lot further than I that I think you'd be willing to push this further. And you you do a lot of work with with athletes. Athletes, yes. Um, so you're working with a lot of people who are probably a little bit more focused. Like probably have a little bit longer background in it. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm gonna push like 12 to 16 weeks. Oh yeah. I, I'm well, gonna push the- like like I'm not gonna s- stop having beers yeah. on a Friday like I'm not I gonna like my sleep's gonna be shitty like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be stressed out from work like I'm like stuff's gonna happen and I think like changing the human body is really hard yes cause like if, if I had you in a laboratory setting and I had your supplementation right and I had your nutrition right and I had mm-hmm. your sleep right and I had your like I was like here's a million dollars you don't have to worry about financial stress mm-hmm. um, you're gonna go like live on a beach so like life's just great like you're gonna take a nap yeah. at 2 o'clock in the afternoon every <laughs> single day like you're gonna get a massage every single afternoon and like your body's going to change pretty quick, mm-hmm. right? Okay, now sub out that false reality. And yeah. it's like, it takes a really long time to change the human body. Mm-hmm. Like, how many of your clients drink enough water? Zero. Right, like zero. How many people's diets are perfect? Zero. Like, how many people aren't stressed and we're getting into hormone? Like, I'm going to push... Especially now, like I'm gonna push like a physique change. I don't want to call it a physique changing. I'm gonna push a, a hypertrophy program to at least twelve weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go maybe as far as sixteen weeks because because back to those like again bicep curl. Like I'm gonna start in a neutral shoulder position. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna work that bicep through concentric, eccentric, isometric, whatever. I'm gonna move into more of a shoulder flexed position. So mm-hmm. we shorten the bicep from the proximal end. Mm-hmm. Go through those same types of things. I might go into overhead positions. I might go into extended positions. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want enough time, one, to not only get the body into every position that I'm going to be using in compound movements later, mm-hmm. but also to like give it enough time with all of the stresses of life to really see some good mm-hmm. change before I'm like, let's go look at what barbells look like. like mm-hmm. Before we get into that stuff, like I want a pretty ample amount of time. Yeah. And that's where I find a lot of pushback from clients because, like, mm-hmm. again, it's like, oh, shake weight. Like, shake this around for three weeks and, like, you're going to look great. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like, this isn't, yeah. like, there's no easy button. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get it out of our mind right now. Like, everyone, like, shake weight's not in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. They're in the retail industry. They're selling exactly. you a thing. Yeah. And, like, Jenny Craig is not in the fitness industry. She's in the food industry. Like, she's mm-hmm. selling you food. Like, mm-hmm. there's no easy button. Yeah. 
in the fitness industry. Like you've got to do your work and you've got to be relatively focused and Mm -hmm. like whatever goal is more important to you, you will work on. And like for me, a lot of time being social is more important than my workout that day. And so I'll give it up or whatever. Like I need time for people to really see Mm -hmm. physique changes. And that's where I think you and me are probably a little bit different because you're, you have a lot more athletes than I have. I was just about to say, I think it is really big to kind of hit on the difference between development of maybe a young athlete and then your 50 year old lawyer right business uh, owner lawyer doctor whatever mm-hmm. who like um we'll bring a physician on in a couple weeks to talk but like man the guy's got night shifts the guy's got exactly. he's running a staff like he's got people dying mm-hmm. like like he's also whew, he's, he's had, also in his 50s like yeah exactly now we're talking about hormone challenges and, and mm-hmm. different stuff so in and so how long does a hypertrophy workout take it, it depends. depends. <laughs> it depends. But it's everything has to be so individualized. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I see my client base, it's usually a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, and again, for your client base, maybe a little not less as long. Time. Maybe a little less time. Yeah. But yeah. And I would say that pretty much covers – almost covers programming at that point as well. Yeah, we, we did talk some programming stuff. Yeah. Um, and then supplementation. Like what supplements do you use? protein that's it that's basically like, it like I, I don't think no. it, let's get into pet peeve number two for the day is <laughs> like everyone's like i read this article and like in the back of my mind i'm like what did dr seuss say about creatine like, like let's let's bodybuilding.com on like, dummy bears after right like let's hear this really poorly conducted research article on mm. some cockamamie crap like and then you look at like okay who who funded this study it was like Oh, like Harbo gummy bears, like yeah, funded yeah. the study that says like dextrose is fantastic. It's not biased at all. <laughs> like, and so it's like there's such bad research out there, and like having a background and an education, like ciphering through bad research mm-hmm. and knowing good research and seeing what's replicated. Um, I I hate that comment. It's like, oh well, I read this article, and I'm like, oh great, tell me about it. In the back of my mind, I'm like, this is so Here bad. Like, this is not good. Like, I'll, I'll tell you right now, like if I was a cardboard salesman, I could design. Uh, a study that would show you that eating cardboard would help you reduce body fat. And I could I could rig the variables to make that true. I, I could probably do that. I think another big thing is honestly, where do most people get their articles from? Google. I don't know. Facebook. Oh, like God. anything that pops up, like this study shows blah 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 blah. Some sort of clickbait stuff on your yep. Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's like it, like they read the heading mm-hmm. and then read none of the body and then commented on it five times. Yeah. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. It's so bad. So, like when you look at supplementation, like really the the one that the only thing I'm probably gonna recommend for people is protein. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you can talk about um, vitamins. Like I take a multivitamin. Yeah. Um, I think changing the body is hard enough. Like not having enough hydration or micronutrition makes it virtually impossible. Mm -hmm. So like I take a multivitamin. I use protein, not all the time. I would mm-hmm. much rather prefer get all of my protein intake from real food. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But if I'm running low on if I'm mm-hmm. five o'clock in the morning, like I'm like struggling to get out of bed and like go meet a client, mm-hmm. I'll like pound a shake real quick because it's so convenient. Yeah. Um, and so just like the reason like I'll buy bottled water for a dollar fifty instead of just turn my tap on, like it's so convenient. Mm-hmm. And so like protein is just a convenient option. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's really like the only thing I can really push. Like, yeah. And, I mean, there is a handful of maybe other supplements, depending on who you are. Exactly. Again, your training age. Like, so me, myself, I take – and we could probably just say what we <laughs> – <depends. laughs> Yeah, so it depends. 
But uh, me, I take protein. I take a glucose supplement, mm. a glycogen supplement post workout, just to okay, spike yeah. my insulin levels. Yeah. I take creatine to help keep my ATP PCR system working pretty well and keep okay. my. You're a power output. Okay. Exactly, yeah, power output. But that's just for me. Mm-hmm. That's again individualized to right. me specifically to my body, my goals, and everything that I want to do. I don't give a damn aesthetically how I look. Right. I want to be able to put X amount of 100 pounds over my head right. in one movement. And that's what You mean X amount of kgs because you're yeah, an you, Olympic lifter. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. I've been working on that. <laughs> yeah. All those calculations. Yeah. I don't need those European numbers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I need those freedom units, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, supplementation is a tough one. That's in like creatine is just the most like debated. Like, it really is. Just like. It helps you retain water weight. Didn't you know that? So, we're, well, we can talk about sarcoplasma. Kind of no, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm making a joke. I'm making a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, supplementation. It's um, actually like the guys at S2 are really, really good to talk about that stuff. Yes. Yes, I'd say they're they're definitely more qualified than what I am right now. But yeah. yeah at yeah, the yeah. same time, I'd say one of the biggest things when it comes down to supplementation is you hit on it first is get your actual diet in check first. Get all if you're slamming protein shakes and then 20 minutes later you kill a bag of Doritos. I'll tell you like, right now like my body doesn't digest a lot of that stuff great. Yeah. So like there's a lot of bathroom for exactly. it. Like, yeah. like if I'm crushing protein shakes, like yeah. my body is just not a big fan of that. Exactly. Um and so I would much rather get my protein from real sources, but if I have to, I have to. And mm-hmm. so it's it's there for a convenience thing, but um yeah, and God, nutrition. I feel like the only thing we actually know about nutrition is that we don't know anything about nutrition. Like, I would agree. <laughs> like some people, keto works great. For me, I would waste away. Like yes. some people, intermittent fasting mm-hmm. works great. Like I'd say we're. Educated. I would be angry. Like like yeah. for me, it's six seven meals a day. Like that's yeah. what works best for me to keep my strength up and keep me consistent. Um, and I've got clients who I'm like, you know what, we're going to experiment and see what you like the best that you can stick to the best. Mm-hmm. And so I've got. Um, Karen on intermittent fasting and Jake on six meals and um, David on and, and I'm just making these names up but um, everyone's doing something different and you really just have to figure out like what works best for you to get enough food enough calories to be in that surplus and do that every single day yeah absolutely the the one thing that I still don't understand is like the bulletproof coffee with like a stick of butter in oh it. Oh my gosh. Like man. I don't know anyone that does it. I've actually had a client that did that. But I was my like, first client. Dude, people raved about it. Yeah, they did. Just they really melt did. a stick of butter like it's a stirring straw, like yeah. sticking out of your mug of coffee in the morning. Oh god. Like is that good? It's the Paula Dean approach to fitness. The Paula Dean gosh. fitness <laughs> nutrition. Oh no. Yeah. But anyway, that that about covers it for me. Mm-hmm. I would say just covering anything if anybody has any questions obviously you have an email address i have an email address Ed right has an email address. well we can put those out available for people too absolutely um but yeah guys shoot us shoot us questions um we're gonna shoot this weekly we i don't know what we're gonna talk about next week we're gonna have some guest speakers on um yeah. i'm gonna bring on a, a physician from ku to talk about um cardiovascular adaptation i think that'll be a lot of fun to listen to no yeah um, we want to get into like women's hormone health we want to get into um all sorts of stuff so if you guys have ideas send them to us what do you want us to talk about um if you want to reach out to us to talk about programming and your programming and doing an assessment with us do that um otherwise just just comment tell us what you think and uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll be back next week all right cool sounds good